This morning we are receiving a gift, a gift of, uh, of people. The gift is Stephen and Veronica Jenks. And, and don't, don't clap. You're, you're going to get an opportunity. You're going to get a big opportunity to give them a new hope welcome. But I just want to, I just want to, I, I, I was talking to Stephen, and there's an interesting observation, isn't there? And Jesus experienced it himself. In his own hometown, there wasn't the same response to him that there was all over the world at that time. Isn't that true? And, uh, you know, I talked to different people, and it's funny how that is. And the one thing that I don't ever want to be, you know, there's going to be things that we're going to be known for. People will, will know us for things. I pray that, God, we will never be known for not taking advantage of that which has been birthed here, from here, part of our region. Stephen, obviously, if, for those of you who don't know him, Stephen grew up here. His mom and dad were senior pastors for 22 years here. He's got a beautiful sister, Rachel, right here. And then he marries this beautiful, amazing, wild woman of God, Veronica. Which just, how many of you know, she enhances the whole package. It's a, she's awesome. And, and when I say to you, they travel the world, that's not to, you know, put a feather in their cap. That's how God's using them. They travel the world. They're 60 miles away. They're headquartered. Their base is in Buffalo, Clarence, New York. And what a joy that we get to have them here. And uh, he called, said there was an opening. We said, yes, you know, that's when you make adjustments. You clear the schedule. But in my spirit, the thing that I knew the Lord was speaking to me, and I'm speaking for this house, is, God, you have something very special, very specific, very targeted that you want to release here that's going to impact this place today. And as we stand and give these guys a great New Hope welcome, we're, we'll wel- we'll, we are welcoming family, but we are honoring them as, as just beautiful people who love God and who are going to make, making an impact wherever they're going, are going to make an impact here. So please give them a welcome. Steve and Veronica, come on up. What a joy to have them. Hallelujah. Love you guys. Be free. Be released. There's no time for Amen. Thank you, family. It's good to be back here. I'm still getting used to the difference in perspective. But it's great. It's great to be back here. It reminds me of my days when I was 10 and I was here. But it's wonderful to be here. I'm not going to be super long today because I'm not preaching. Um, But uh, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. Many of you have been seeds that God has sown in my life that what I am today is in part from you, in part from your love, your care, your words, your correction, Beth, whatever the things are. When I was in youth group, I learned a lot through Beth. But um, no, but really, I, we, we know that we are, we're, we're part of the ground here. And though some of you are new here, and we're, we're so glad to meet new folks here, uh, some of you have been in a part of my life, literally, from a very young age. And we thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers. Um, this afternoon, um, this evening at 7.30, we're going to have a little time in the Connection Cafe to share a little bit more about what we do at Eagle's Wings and some of the things God's got us. You're welcome to come to that. There's a little sign-up sheet as you leave today. If you could just sign that up, that way we know how many desserts and coffees to plan for. We'd be honored to get a chance to share a little bit more with you, but we want to thank you so much for uh, loving us, for caring for us, for welcoming us. Thank you, Pastor Ralph, for your kind words. And I'm really excited today to introduce our guest speaker. (laughs) About 
about three and a half, four weeks ago, the Lord put a word in Veronica's heart, and uh, she's been preaching it in various areas. And I know I've shared here before, and I might share before the time's over. Who knows what Holy Spirit will do? But I really felt like she was supposed to bring the word this morning. Would you give a warm welcome to Veronica Jenks? Thank you, Jesus. Glorify the King. Well, uh, I have to, of course, take a couple words because Stephen did, but um, I just love it. He did an uh, awesome job in partnering with the Holy Spirit as he led in worship and the whole team. We appreciate it. And I just, I love it. I love as God has brought us together in marriage, but also in ministry and kingdom. Um, it's so cool because in worship, I, I feel like one of the things that happened is Stephen and I have been, had opportunities. He leads worship and I share, you know, it's like God brings us down this path, you know, pathway in worship. And it's like, it's like, that's exactly what the message, what God's going to do in the message. So it's just so cool how he partners it up together. But I have to also give honor just to the family here, to mom and dad, Jenks, um, for raising an awesome kid. Uh, you, you weeded out all the stuff, so I just get to enjoy all the good stuff now. <laughs> but, um, and to this family here, because I know Stephen, uh, before I would come, when I just came around as a friend, you know, we would get to meet some of you guys and uh, just the impact that each of, each of you guys have had. Um, you know, friends, but also teachers and uh, leadership in his life. And it's, it's a testimony and of God's faithfulness and really um, discipleship and what it means to sow seeds and to, to take opportunity of every moment you had to, sow, to have to sow seeds and to allow God to bring forth the fruit. And you see that in, in this family and in Stephen. So thank you, family. So let's get right into it. You heard Pastor Ralph say, I have till 12. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. But we're going to get right into it because I, I do believe that God has a message, you know, as we were in worship, I'm just asking the Lord God, you know, uh, what is it? You know, you can, for many of you who have shared, you can prepare, you can have something, but you really just want to leave that openness. You don't want to close the door. It's like, oh, I've got my notes, I've got my message. You want to leave that door open, just Holy Spirit come. And I just, I asked the Holy Spirit to do that this morning as I was praying and then also during worship. And so I believe that um, Holy Spirit is just going to be with us. So let's just get right in it. Romans 8, let's all turn to Romans 8. And if you had to title this message, uh, you could title this, and I, it's a reminder that I believe God is wanting to bring to the children of God, that you were created for glory. Hallelujah. You were created for glory. Yeah. I know you guys have been talking a lot about kingdom, the kingdom message, you know, and being, you know, understanding who's the image you were created in, in Christ, and then also living out that character, living out that kingdom that you were created for a purpose, and I, I just want to highlight this morning, I feel Father also wants to highlight to us in Romans 8, 28. You were created for glory. It says, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That's, some, that's, like a, that's a packs of full punch there, you know? It's talking about those who he's called. And those who he's called, there's each and, every one of, uh, each and every one of us, all of us, whether we're here in this room now or wherever we're at, each of us has been called to the purpose of God. It's why we were created. God in his perfectness created man. He didn't need us. 
he didn't, you know, there wasn't something missing from God. It was God in his perfectness and in his love created you and me, but for a purpose, to be in relationship, to be, to enjoy God, to love God. So each of you, each one in this room, are called according to his design and purpose. And again, we were created in his image. You were created not just for his purpose, to fulfill something for God, but he literally, he designed you. So you were created in his design, in his reflection, and for his purpose. Um, it also says that for whom he foreknew. So he's known you. He's been aware of you before the foundations of the earth. He's loved you beforehand. Before you had any opportunity to mess up or do anything or give a reason for God not to love you, God loved you. Yeah. He for those who he's foreknown, which each of you, he's, he's loved, he's known, he's been aware of beforehand. And he's predestined, in other words, planned. He's planned from the beginning for you to be like his son. So he's predestined predestined you to be conformed into the image of his son. So he's called you, he's predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. This, this, is, this is the journey. But he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just like, okay, you know, I foreknew them, I called them, I foreknew them, I've, you know, brought them to the place to be conformed to the image of my son. But he says that, he goes on to say, he's like, and those who he's called, he's also justified. Each of us in this room has been justified. And what that word means, it means to be, be declared innocent or put into right standing. So guess what, guys? He foreknew. He called. He foreknew. He predestined. But he also justified. He knew that there was going to be a step along this process where we would each have to become to a place of being justified. He knew that before the foundations of the earth. And he's justified and he's declared each of us innocent. Period. And end of scripture. No. The scripture goes on, and whom he's justified. He's not just bringing you to a place of justification, so you're just like, okay, great, I'm good, I'm declared innocent, I'm in right standing with God. No. Those he's justified, he's also glorified. You were created for glory. And God, in this journey that you see in this passage of scripture in Romans 8, he's not going to stop until he gets you to a place of glory. Because you were created for glory. He justified you with the intent, with the purpose of glory. You need another scripture to prove it? Look at, if you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it. 2 Corinthians 3, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So what it says in the scripture is that you are being transformed to what? To his image? From glory to glory, you are being transformed. And it's like we behold it. It's like we see it in a mirror. It's like a reflection. It's like a reflection of his reflection towards us and us towards him. So you were created for glory. God is preparing a people that will contain his glory. He's preparing you to contain his glory. Another way you can say it is this. You know, because when you think of that, when I grew up in church and the, the church that I grew up in, you know, the, when we talked about the glory of God, it was like this external thing. It was like the Shekinah glory of God. It was like this, like, ooh, mystical, you know, thing that's out there that you kind of, you know, you, you're grabbing for. And I think it is that. The glory of God, it's majestic. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. If that's the glory of God and God is bringing us and calling us and creating us for glory, another way you could say it is this. It's, you know, that it's like God is taking his glory 
and kind of putting it in a human container. That's, that's not so easy. You know, just think about that. Think of like, you just think of God, big, awesome, massive, and trying to like stuff it into this little thing. You know, just think of that. To me, I just think of like the, the tension just in that, the thought of that. And can I say that, you know what? It's not always that easy. It's not. It's hard. It's messy. And sometimes it feels like suffering. And this is the perspective that I, I feel that God really wants to kind of hone in this morning as we're talking about the glory of God, we're talking about, you know, God, we, we want to be transformed to your image. We want to reflect the glory of God. And God is preparing us for glory. But that glory, that preparation, that transformation from glory to glory isn't always so pretty. It's not always so comfortable. In, um, you know, another way you say it is, you know, can I say it this way? It's we suffer for the glory of God to be revealed in our life. Is it okay? Can I say that? Can I, am I here with family? You know, sometimes we as Western Christians, we stay, we stay so far away from this message of, you know, suffering. It's like, you know, at least growing up in the church, the message I was taught was you come to the place of salvation so life can be better. It's just going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And it is, but it's not going to be without that tension of glory being revealed in your life. There, there's that tension that happens until the day that we're, we're brought before him face to face. Often, a lot of us, we want to be glorified with Christ, but we don't want to suffer with Christ. We want the glory, but without the suffering. And I would offer us today that this message that we share, you know, there, there's a heart of evangelism here, a heart to really be kingdom and go out. And, you know, there's many people, you know, that new believers or people that don't even have no context for God. And I always struggled as one who going out and evangelizing and be saying, you know, you know, God, he, he died on the cross for you. He, he died to save you. And it's just, it's just going to be awesome. And, and it's true. It, it, it is true. But it's only part of it. There's, there, it it's a, so oftentimes, you know, we live in a culture where it's everything around us is about comfort. We manipulate our environment so that we're comfortable. We, we turn the heat on when we're cold. We turn the AC on when we're hot. We want something, we stick it in the microwave. You know, everything around us, is, it's, we, can just, we can manipulate our entire environment so that we're comfortable. And I believe that sometimes that can carry over into our Christian walk. That we can just, we, we, we read the passages that we like that connect with us, so that feel good. We share about the part that's, that's palatable, that's easy to digest. And we tend to leave off other things. And guys, if we are going to preach the message of the gospel, we need to preach the full message of the gospel. He came to save. He came to heal. He came to restore and redeem. It's not just unto salvation. It's unto what you guys have been teaching and hearing a lot here. It's unto purpose. It's unto something. There's a life that God wants to live with us as he calls us to the place of salvation. Romans 8.18 says it like this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Sometimes we take these moments of suffering and we're like, and we're going for God's glory and we, we take God's glory and we, we put it on the even scale with the sufferings of this time. Sometimes we're going through things, and guys, I know there's challenge. It's not here. This is not to dismiss suffering, but I believe God wants to offer us a different perspective as we talk about suffering for God. It says here in Romans 8 that I consider the sufferings of this present time. So it's saying, guys, the sufferings, the things that you're going through are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
And in the moment, it doesn't always feel like that. In the moment, it's hard to see the other perspective. In the moment, all you can feel is the suffering. You know, the message that we share is a message that there's suffering with it, guys. There was for Jesus. Jesus suffered for the, for, for the message of the gospel. He gave his life for the message of the gospel. But there's an encouragement there. It's not just like, okay, you know, you've got to suffer. It's going to be hard for people. You know, we don't want to go share that message because it would be missing the resurrected life, the life that we get to enjoy with God. You know, it's the twofold. In worship, when I was in worship today, I was like, the Lord was bringing to a place of, you know, how often do we, we worthy, the we, we worship the lamb who was slain. Tonight, today, this morning, I was brought to my face as I was worshiping the slain lamb the slain lamb. But what I so appreciated about where we went in worship was, yes, but this lamb is victorious. This lamb is victorious. And so when we talk about the message of the gospel, when we talk about living the life of the gospel, when we talk about living the life of Christ, there was suffering in it. There was, guys. There was pain. There was suffering. But there was also the resurrection. But this message that we share, we suffer for it. But the very suffering that we endure, that we, that we go through, cannot be endured with the message. They go together. That is, that is the, the encouragement, that is the hope in it, is that yes, there's suffering, there's trials, there's tribulations that you're suffering for in this message. But those, that very suffering cannot be endured without the message. They go together. Let's look at 1 Peter 4. I want everyone to turn there. It's funny, as I was uh, preparing for this message, the, the Lord reminded me, and I love this. I'm reading from the New King James, 1 Peter 4, I'm starting in verse 12. And it's so funny, you know, sometimes I've really been challenging myself as uh, going through this, uh, you know, as journey with the Lord, where I'm just like, you know what, God, I want to read the scriptures, and I just want to take it at face value. You know, sometimes you read the word, and you're like, God, give me a revelation, you know, and there's moments of that. But guys, sometimes there's, you just got to read the word and just got to take it at what it says. If it says, you know, you, you are purchased by the blood of Jesus, then you're purchased by the blood of Jesus. If it says that you don't have to be anxious for anything, you don't have to be anxious for anything. You know, it's, it's, sometimes you just got to read the word and just take it for what it says. And so this morning, I want to read 1 Peter 4. It says, Beloved, do not think it strange, starting in verse 12, do not think it, it, think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. Okay, let's just stop there. Yeah. Guys, when suffering comes, don't be surprised. When, when, when challenge comes, don't be surprised. It says, you don't think it, don't, and I love it even further, it says, don't think it's strange. You know, Stephen and I, uh, you know, have been in ministry this past couple years. We've walked through some challenging things in our ministry. And Stephen and I, for a while, we were like, Oh, you know, the enemy's doing this, and he's attacking in this area, and he's challenging us in this area. And I was so convicted by the Lord. I felt like he was like, guys, what are you doing? It's like you're just listing down, like the enemy's doing this, and he's doing this, and he's, he's doing it. And so many times, guys, in those moments, we can become like cheerleaders for the enemy. It's like, give me an A, and he's doing affliction. Give me a B, and he's, you know, a B. You know, it's just like we just, we list down this thing, and we just list and list it. And it's, it's seriously, like, seriously, it's, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes in suffering, I'm not like, give me an A, you know. We, we can ascend above this, you know, or something, whatever. But it's, it's, it's challenging in those moments. But it's telling us here, the word of God, you know, that was prepared beforehand, that was given to us so that we could walk in the truth. It says, beloved, don't think it's strange considering, considering, concerning trials. 
But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So it says rejoice in those moments because know that you, that there is glory being prepared. There is glory being laid hold of in this moment. If you partake in Christ's suffering, it says in 14, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. Okay, this is like, just like stop and pause there for a second. When you're going through trials and tribulations and challenges, it's saying the glory of God is resting upon you. Do you feel that in suffering? Do you feel that in those moments of trials? Not always. But God is telling us here that know that if you're suffering, it's like yay to you. Because there is something, there is, there's a target on you for a reason. There's glory that's resting upon you. And Steve and I, as we've been walking through, these, the, through different challenges, we started to really um, challenge our tongue. Because we started saying, the enemy's doing this, he's doing this. But we started coming to the place of, you know what? The enemy can't do anything new. Everything that he does is in reaction to what God is doing, right? There's nothing creative. There's nothing new about him. So wait a minute. When I've been so focused on what the enemy is doing, it's actually been that God's been doing something, and the enemy has been trying to oppose that. He's been trying to steal, kill, and destroy that. So we started changing our tongue, our confession. When challenges would come, we're like, God's doing this, and God's doing this, and God's doing this. And let me tell you guys, that literally caused us to come above the situations, to see from a different perspective, to partake in a different dimension of what God was doing. Where we saw the enemy was doing this and bringing this, we saw God was wanting to do this and the enemy's opposing that. Another way you can say it is, where God was wanting to bring and reveal his glory in us, the enemy was wanting to oppose and limit and mock and diminish God's glory to being revealed. So again, what we're doing this morning, I believe that God is really offering to us a change in perspective, a change in thinking as we talk about suffering. Because honestly, most when you know, for a while when I heard suffering, like you cringe, right? It's just like, oh, you know, and there was like this thing of like, no, that can't be part of it. Or, you know, what is this thing? No, it's got to be all good and, and fun and just good and feel good. There is, but let me tell you, there's suffering that you got to go through before you get to that place, before you've got to receive the, the, the slain lamb before you receive the resurrected lamb. You've got to receive the lamb who was slain before you receive the one who's resurrected, who the same spirit of who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. But I'm telling you, there was a, there was a suffering that happened. There was a suffering that our Savior walked through. So Jesus suffered for the glory to be revealed. Why do we think we don't? Where, where does it say? Now, it's not, like, now, it's not like, you know, it says in the word that Jesus came to remove the sin. He came to take the sin. Now, it's not like, you know, his intent for us is to have suffering, to have all that stuff. But let me tell you, you know what his promise is? Is to have, make a way through that suffering. Is to have a, a, a way out where it doesn't have to be a place of suffering and limit and lack. But that God, what God's given us is a way. Jesus, through the cross, through the redemption, 
it's offering so, us something different. And I want to look at this for a moment as we talk about what is this other thing that we're offered in the midst of suffering. And let me encourage you that, you know, unless we receive what God has, unless we see the view that God has, we'll never understand why we walk through these steps of, of suffering or challenge or tribulation. In Romans 8, it says it this way, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We heard that this morning. We are children of God, and if children were heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. All the other stuff, it's like we, we claim it. We're children. We're, you know, we're, we cry out, Abba, Father. But that verse, guys, goes on to say, if we're children, then we're heirs. We, we claim it, we lay hold of it, we proclaim that we're, we're, in, we're heirs with Christ, right? We, we yeah. speak it over our finances, we speak it over our family. But what does it say? And if children, then heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if, if we indeed suffer with him. If we choose to suffer, he's saying, yes, you're a child of God. You are brought in into being a co-heir with Christ, with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him. But again, it doesn't stop there, that we may also be glorified together. Again, the message I'm, I'm not preaching today is, you know, gloom and doom. That's not it. But guys, I do believe that God wants to offer us a perspective change. For too long, the enemy has tried to bring us to a place when we're in that moment of suffering and challenge that we don't have, that it's, there's insufficiency, that there's a lack. And what God is wanting to remind us of, don't be surprised when these challenges come. Don't be surprised when these moments come. I told you about them, but I've made a way. And there's a, not just that made of way, but there's a purpose in them so that we together can be glorified. You were created for glory. You were created for glory. And why God is wanting to reveal glory, the enemy is trying to limit glory in your life. When challenge and tribulation and trials come, God is doing something and the enemy is trying to oppose that. I want to give you some context for this. In, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of spitting out scriptures there. But in Romans, in Romans 3, it says it this way. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Well, if we, if, if we fall short, that means we are intended for glory, right? It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from God's glory. Here's a little context for you. In the garden, Adam was given a choice. He had the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And Adam chose to partake in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what that represented, that was a life without God. It was a self-dependent life where you judged, where you made decisions on what was good, what was right. That was the choice that Adam was given in the garden. The, the tree of life was the opposite. It was divine life. If it says that he is the tree of life, what's fruit of the tree of life? It, what's the fruit of God? It's himself. It's Jesus. If it's saying that the, if this is the tree of life, God is life. So the fruit that we get to partake in is his life. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was offering self-life, human nature, independent of God. But the tree of life was offering divine life that we have through Christ. It was offering the life of God. So Adam chose, 
And because of that choice, we all became sinners, and we all need to be redeemed. But it's funny, and this is the thing where I'm talking about perspective change. When we think of sin, you know, so all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we sin, we think of hell. We think of condemnation. We think of judgment. When God thinks of sin, when he looks at his kids and they sin, what God thinks of, he thinks of the glory that's going to be missed. Do you see that? The, it's completely different. We're just like, we're like, you know, oh, this is, this is bad. You know, just think of it. When you think of sin, you know, we think of all these things that are going to happen, you know, con- condemnation, all those things. And what God thinks of that mo- in that moment is he thinks of the glory that's going to be missed because of sin. So God's, God's purpose in redemption was to reconcile us to, to glory. If sin separated us from glory or forfeited the glory that we have, well, then the purpose of the cross was to reconcile us, to redeem us to the place to be in God's glory, to reveal his glory. The result of sin is that we forfeit God's glory, but then the result of redemption is that we are qualified again for glory. So my question to us this morning is, what's the glory that God is wanting to reveal in your life? What's the glory through that challenge through that situation that God is just, it's waiting. He's waiting for you to be transformed. And, you know, this perspective, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever walked through a challenging thing, and, you know, you're just like, you, you, you get this perspective. You're like, God, you know, you're, I'm more than enough. I have the life of Christ. That I have access through Jesus to the divine nature. And you live in that. You walk in that. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and says, you know, hey, I know you're going through some hard times, but, you know, you're just like, how are you doing it? You're just like, you, you're just, you're worshiping. You're still coming to church. Your, your confession is, is still the truth. You know, have you ever been a witness to somebody through your life as you walk through a challenge? Anyone in here? Because God is wanting to reveal glory through those challenges, yeah. through those things. And it's funny because as I thought about it a little bit more, you know, the sinful nature, the human nature versus the divine nature, I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? When I'm suffering, God, what's really suffering in that moment? What, what's really suffering? Is it, you know, I'm, I'm called to be, I'm a co-heir with Christ to walk in his nature. What's really suffering? You know, and I, I thought about it more, and I was, and just think of a situation that you may be walking through a challenging time. And when I thought about it more, I realized, you know what? What's suffering is my sinful nature. What's suffering is Veronica's time frame. Veronica's desires, what I want in my expectations. And I started looking at it a little bit more, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Are we really suffering? Is, my, is the divine nature, the, 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 life that, the, the redeemed life that I walk in, is that really suffering? Or is it my sinful nature? And I, I, I really, I, I think that God has something for us. I was reading a, a book, and it's by a, one of a, Madame Guyon's uh, church father, but uh, Fenelon, I don't know if you guys ever heard of him, but he talks about it this way. He's like, it is the life of your sinful nature that causes pain. He, he talks about sufferings being spiritual afflictions that you can't control. All of us have challenges, you know, things that we walk through, trials, tribulations, health. And guys, again, this is not to minimize those things. Those things are real. Life is life. Uh, unfortunately, because of sin, we are not free from life touching us in that way of, of the things of the, of the curse. But you know what? God said we're not of the curse. God has redeemed us and through Jesus has restored us. But how many times when we suffer, 
what's really suffering is our sinful nature. When Jesus came on the cross to redeem us, he didn't come to make your sinful nature better. He came to give you a new life, right? In 1 Corinthians, it says it this way. It says, for old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Oftentimes, when we're suffering, when we're going through things, what I think it is, it's sometimes our old sinful nature trying to be resuscitated. It's, it's, we, we have this perspective because we're born into sin. It's so easy. We don't have to try to be sinful. It's, it comes naturally to us, right? Nobody has to try. It just is. We are born into sin, but through Jesus' blood, we don't have to be um, bound by that sinful nature. But I think sometimes what happens is it's that sinful nature. It's like, trying, it's like we're sitting there trying to resuscitate it. We're trying to resuscitate it because we, you know, because of all these different things. But God's like, no, 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 Veronica, you've got it all wrong. I'm not trying to make your sinful life better. I've lived in the world. I know what that's like. He can't. I don't want him to revive any of that old life and way of living. What I want him to do is to give me a new life. And that is what the cross brings us to. The cross brings us back to that place of choice, of saying, hey, you can partake in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you can partake in the human nature, in life of self-dependent, you know, independent of God, or you can choose the tree of life, which is the divine nature, which is access through Jesus to everything that we need in life and in godliness. That is where the cross brings us to. That is the choice that we have. It's like, you know, it's like sometimes you ever, when I was a new believer, I was like, oh, I was like, Adam, seriously? Like, I have to be punished for Adam? You know? But it's like, God's, God wasn't just that he, he brought redemption through Jesus, but he actually brings us to back to the garden. And he says, choose. Adam messed up, but you get to choose. You get to choose. Are you going to be bound by the sinful nature, or are you going to partake in the divine nature that I've given you? And the enemy, guys, has tried to really deceive us. There's a great deception the enemy has tried to, get, to deceive us in the place of suffering. He's tried to bring us to a place to think that we have insufficiency in the place of suffering. He uses suffering to not just limit God's glory, to not just limit God's glory wanting to be revealed in us, but also to limit that place where it says God's not good enough. You don't have it. You know, like, like, like even the garden says, did God really say did he really say, is that really going to be good enough? And what it says in Philippians, I love this about Paul. He says this, I know how to be abased and live humbly in straitened circumstances. And I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. I've learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. And this is our promise. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Some of you guys know the version, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. What it's saying, what Paul's saying before that, before he says, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me, he's saying, I've learned to live in the place of God's nature, sufficiency. Of remembering that as I walk through challenge, as I walk through trials, as I walk through tribulations, where the enemy has tried to deceive me that it's a place of lack or insufficiency, that I have a divine nature that I get to tap into. There is a divine nature that I have access to, that I get to choose in those moments, and that has everything that I need to walk through financial problems, 
to have, to, to walk through health problems. You guys have seen it in this family here. There's people who walk through some serious health issues. And what were they doing? They were praising God all the way home. Praising God all the way home. They were testifying from a place of sufficiency that we have everything that we, ha- we need for life and godliness. And as we wrap up, I just want to look at this one last place. God has called you, he's justified you, and he's glorified you. Now, is it, for the pl- is it for you just to be like, oh, Veronica, she's just so good. She's just so glorious. No. In John 17, it says it like this. Jesus, he looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify the Father. I have finished the work with which you sent me to do. Jesus was glorified at the moment of his death. Are we willing to be glorified to the point of death? Guys, and what does it say? We're part of an upside-down kingdom because to die, right? I'll say it. I'm not going to try it. In Philippians, I always mix it up or whatever. In Philippians, it says it this way. It says, you know, because we think that, you know, it's like, oh, why are we dying? Guys, we are dying to live. We are dying to that place where we can say that we're alive in Christ. And it says it this way, for to me, for to me to live is Christ, his life in me, and to die is gain. And it says it this way, another way, word for gain is the gain, the glory of eternity. Because as we're dying, you're dying to live. You are dying to live. You are suffering to live. That the name of God would be glorified in you. It says it this way, Jesus said, I have finished the work with which you sent me. What purpose were you sent for? We've been talking here about kingdom purpose. What purpose were you sent for? Jesus was sent to give glory, to to say, hey, there's a better life. There's a life that God has for you. There's glory that God has for you. Jesus came to reveal the Father, and we were sent to reveal the Father in likeness, but also to those around us, to outside of the church, to our families. Jesus said, I've completed the work with which you sent me to do. Now glorify the Son that I may also glorify the Father. You are being called, justified, glorified, so that others will see it and that turn and say, Father, now let me glorify you. Jesus said, let me be glorified, but not just so I can be glorified, so that I can glorify the Father. And that is what he's called us to do. I believe that this morning what God wants to to offer us is a perspective change. He wants to offer us a perspective change of sufficiency in the place of suffering. And to really ask God, you know what, when I'm suffering, Lord, when I'm complaining, when I'm, you know what, what's really suffering? Is it it me trying to resuscitate an old nature and wanting you to make that better? Or is it me taking on the divine nature? And I believe, guys, until the day of his return, we're always going to have that tension between the two. There's always going to be that tension of suffering where it's that, te- it's like, you know, Paul said, it's like, why do I do the things I don't want to do and not the things I don't want to do? It's, it's that tension of that sinful nature that's really, it's, it's wanting to. Because if God is wanting to bring divine nature, what, the, what is the enemy trying to do? Bring his nature, the sinful nature. So we have a moment, we have a, we have a choice in that place as we're walking through things to ask God, God, you know what? I'm going to remind myself. I have, the div- I have access to the divine nature. I don't want to, anything to be revived in this moment where the enemy would try to revive anything else but your divine nature. 
that the glory of God would be revealed in my life. And that's his promise to us today. I want us to all stand. Stephen, maybe you could pop up here. And I want to share this scripture with us just as we close and as we pray. This, this word of love came up in the place of worship, of really understanding. It's, you know, something we've been hearing a lot in the church, this, this word of God's love. And I believe, you guys, God wants to use it. He wants, he wants you to receive his love. He's been having us in a training ground of his love. His love has just been flooding us, you know. We've been singing about it. We've been preaching about it. But I believe, guys, that there's a, there's a next step that God wants to bring us to. That love, he's been training us and literally just like rooting out everything that opposes his love and revealing the Father's love to us yeah. so that we would have something tangible to sustain us through the challenging times. His love is the purpose to sustain us through the suffering. In Romans 5, it says it this way, and I just want us to all just raise our hands. And this is our confession this morning. Therefore, each of us, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Father, we want to have peace with you in these moments, God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. God, I pray that you would remind us of the access that we have of the divine nature by faith. Father, the, the complete life, God, that you have given to us new. Father, you've called everything else old and you've given us a new life that we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. God, we stand in your presence, justified, declared innocent, in right standing with God, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Father, we thank you that you're wanting to reveal your glory in our lives. God, you're wanting to reveal your glory in each and every situation. God, you're wanting to reveal your glory so that the Father's glory would be revealed. And God, you use us as containers of your glory here on earth, that it would testify of the glory of God wanting to be revealed. And not only that, but God, today we choose that we would glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. God, we want to have the perseverance of God in these moments. God, we know that you're preparing us today for, God, things that are yet to come. God, in your love and your mercy, God, you're taking us aside. You're teaching us your love. God, you're teaching us perseverance. You're teaching us your hope. Father, that we would be able to endure the things that would come. And God, this perseverance which produces character. God, we want the undeniable character of God to be revealed in our lives. Yes. God, the undeniable character of Christ where people look at us and they can't deny and say, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only by the blood of the lamb that was slain. Father, we want that character to be made known in us. And we want that character Father, to reveal the hope that you are. And God, this hope, God, I speak to every situation right now that people are walking through. God, we declare the hope of God to be birthed in each of these situations, to be birthed in each of these lives. God, we thank you, God, that you haven't called us to suffer hopelessly, but God, you've called us to suffer with Christ. Father, in hope, God, you are our hope. You are our hope. 
God, we, creation eagerly waits and yearns for the revealing of the sons of God. God, we suffer in hope this morning. And God, we choose and we say that hope does not disappoint because the love of God The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your love that has sustained us. God, we thank you for your love that she has taught us, that has reminded us of the relationship that your son Jesus died and reconciled us to. And God, we now ask that would you allow your love to sustain us, God. God, sustain us through everything that we walk through, that we may be reminded that we're ones who don't wait without hope. But God, we choose to walk in the life and the pattern of Christ, whatever it brings, so that the glory of God would be revealed in us that the glory of God would not be limited, but the glory of God would come forth, God, from these people, from this church, from the church of God, from the kingdom of God, that people would see and testify that there is a God, and he has a purpose, and he has a plan, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when it doesn't make sense, God, even when it's different, God. Lord, we thank you. Father, that we come from a place of sufficiency. God, I declare over this body today that there is sufficiency for you. There is sufficiency. Father, I thank you that we have everything that we need. God, change our perspective. God, change us that we would align and be literally, God, pathways of the glory of God to be revealed in our hearts, in our lives that the Father would receive the glory, that the Lamb who was slain would receive the reward of his suffering. We worship you, God. We magnify you, King of glory. Now reveal your glory in us, O God. Reveal your glory in us, O God. Reveal your glory in us, O God. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord sing this knowing you knowing you Jesus knowing you there is there is no greater thing you're my all you're the best you're my joy my righteousness and I love Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, 
You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. And I love you. 